Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, everybody. I'm Hallie. I'm Allison. And welcome back to Ruin, a podcast where we ruin a horror movie for you every week. Allison and I, we seem winded. We were setting up our microphones. <laughs> yes, we we have upgraded, hopefully for all of you, um, our, our sound. Uh, and as you all know, we are not uh, tech savvy, I guess I would say. <laughs> There was a moment where I was like, I'm just going to ask to abandon this project. I, yes. I just, For I, a minute, I, I was like, what if we just stopped recording and the last episode was our final episode? Like, that's what I was ready to do. Yeah. The moment for me is uh, just putting my mic stand on the table, like yeah. uh, the clamp. Like, that's the low level where I'm like, it's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much to ask of a human being to do this. Like, our, we got through it. Our editor walking, she's like, just um, plug this into this. And I'm like, you're going to have to really... Show me on your end what to do because we're morons. You better be ready to deal with two of the dumbest people you've two ever met. If you're going to make us try to make this podcast sound good. Um, no, but thank you very much to our producer, Sabrina, and our sound engineer, Kat, who yes. deal with, again, I mean. goldfish of human beings. <laughs> Lady goldfish. Guys, we are continuing. It is Toys Month, of course. It's the month of December. Everyone opens their toys. <laughs> It would be funny if, as adults, we still got toys. I mean, like, aren't our computers and phones and, like, yeah. our— Like, I mean, don't we have, like, toys in quotes? Yeah. You're absolutely right. Aren't my, well, like, really... stupid, expensive, like, fancy bowls just, like, lady toys? I don't know. I am obsessively <laughs> waiting for a, um, a Instagram uh, potter to drop her new releases on the Ooh. 12th. So, yes, those Ooh. are my toys. I also— did you read that their thing about like um they're like oh like young people are wearing wired headphones instead of using AirPods like it's like oh, cool like or me whatever right now exact cool as hell but I was like <sighs> is it cool or is it just because they're twenty and they're like I can't buy it was like they're yeah. expensive right yeah wired like, headphones use your are like fifteen dollars yeah right I could go to CVS and get a pair of mine break if my right. if I lose an AirPod guess what I can't buy another one because I'm poor it's hundred fifty dollars you know, or something. I don't use AirPods. I don't either, because I know I would lose them. I know I would lose them, and also, like, I also, in general, do not like, and I'm wearing them now only because I used to have really big, fancy Bose headphones when we did this, but they were owned by my old job, and when the job ended, they took them back. Mm. <laughs> um, but I have very small, not to brag, ears, and um, putting things in them hurts. Um, and so I usually use Beats, um, but when we record this, I don't like trying to fuck with... Um, wireless stuff because it's like no, too <laughs> like too many times it's been like too and then I can't unset it and then it like won't connect to my phone and I'm like I'm just going to use the old wired I can't even I don't even know what Bluetooth phone. is I, you know no. and I and I, I don't want to know you know no. 
I was reading this thing. It was about like Kamala Harris. Like, I guess she's like, oh, yeah. want to, she's Bluetooth phobic or whatever because she's afraid hackers could gain access to her phone calls. And then I Googled it and they can. I was like, well, then she's right. Very valid. You know, like, I, I don't think that's a, uh, like somebody, yes, if you're she's a the vice high president. level. Exactly. <laughs> like, that seems reasonable. It, 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 I like, am a nobody and my identity has been stolen twice. <laughs> you think people aren't constantly trying to find her social security number? Yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It always comes back to my identity theft. Because we, as long also, as we can always close that circle. Every day I think of it, every day, anything, if I, like, if I can't log into my like, bank's website for a second, I'm like, well, yeah. my identity's well, stolen. Well, my identity's stolen. Any, the, my identity theft back. and the bodega tweet, the two most important things about me. Oh, and happy, happy one-year happy anniversary of the yes. bodega tweet. What, yes. what, what day was that? That was this week or last week? It was week? November 30th. Wow. And then New York What a one time, most pleasing what a time. to you and your career. I mean, that's <laughs> when you, know, you made it, is when Twitter set a flame by the dumbest <laughs> passing thought that you had. And people had to argue about it. People were so mad. If you haven't seen it, please go to Allison's Twitter. Yeah, yeah, It's pretty recent. It's like, once Chrissy Teigen gets involved and is defending me, like, then it really, like, takes off. Oh, boy. Well, but then you got to be in league with Chrissy Teigen. And that's I know, which is not thing. great. But then Padma Lakshmi. It's like, there's a bunch. It's, it's the, it was the wildest day I've ever had on the internet. And I think it's Incredible. so funny. So far. We'll see what 2022 so brings. Who knows what stupid thing people will get pissed at me about. Before we get started on today's um, episode, um, or movie rather, we are going to answer a listener question. This is from Daniel S. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for listening. And he had a question about um, high tension, which I think, Elson, you also had some questions when we finished it, such as what? (laughs) We all had a lot of questions. And how did that happen? About high tension. (laughs) So Daniel's question is, I get that Marie was the killer the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I guess most of what she saw was in her own mind. But who called the cops from the gas station? She chopped up Jimmy, then called him on herself. That seems like a harder stretch to buy. Um, Daniel, it is a harder stretch to buy, and that is exactly what happened. Yes, yes. For reasons that uh, the movie it, it just hands to us to deal with, she both kills the gas station attendant and then calls the police on herself because in her mind— she does not know that she is the killer. She yes. is the witness okay. to the crime rather than the murderer mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Now, does that make sense to you, Allison? No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> of course it's not. That movie doesn't understand. make sense. You know, the, the ending, the logic falls apart at the end in a way. Oh, I'm absolutely. Like, oh. With the truck. Where did the truck come yeah. from? The truck. The, truck? Yeah. Um, the, the giant, um, I guess it's like a mobile drill, like a buzz saw, like a, a transportable buzz saw, like you need to have sometimes. Where, where does that come from? We don't know. That's a great question, we Daniel. We hope you would, we've answered it by telling you we don't know. You're we dead right and we don't understand why. Yeah. It's yeah. me of something that I'm really excited to watch Elsa and not understand. Um, oh, I'd like to present to you a film I had not seen until I watched it this week for the episode. It is 1989's Puppet Master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer. What were your thoughts watching the Puppet Master trailer, Allison? Well, I mentioned this to you while we were testing our audio quality. <laughs> um, a, a horror movie in and of itself. Um, this, to me, seems like a movie you would have definitely seen and loved and watched a million times for some reason, like, from the trailer. It's mm-hmm. just, like, little toys. Like, a, like I forget what the phrase is because, like, it's been an hour since I've watched it now. Um, they're, like, they call them, like, a ga- the narrator and the trailer calls them like a gang of nightmares or something like that just like Oof, all yeah. of the all of the little 
little things, um, puppets, I guess. I agree with what you're saying because it, it is, in my mind, akin to a leprechaun, which I did yes. love the leprechaun movies. Or like even, um, oh God, uh, Critters, uh, mm-hmm. which yes. you probably don't see. But similarly, a little tiny, gross little creatures running around yeah. killing people. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I found, I think it's like I have a memory of the um, cover of the movie, which is sort of the puppet cabinet with all the different creatures inside. Yes. And then it, had so, yes. it has so many sequels. That really? I believe were probably um, direct-to-video. That's shocking to me. I mean, not that they're direct-to-video, but like that they, because like I don't feel like this movie, like when I saw it, I was like, oh, this oh seems my kind of familiar, but like it's not like, like lep- the leprechaun, like we all know leprechaun, like it didn't make a splash culturally. Allison, yes, I agree. I, it does not retain itself like um, Child's Play. I feel like right. because they leaned into the uh, Don Mancini, the director, leaned into the camp of it, leaned into the right. fun, like foul mouth, you know, whatever. And then Jennifer Tilly joined the franchise by making by leaning into the comedy. You you created something that like is fun and enjoyable, like that makes sense. Puppet Master. Nobody talks about Puppet Master, even yeah. though Allison, I'm going to read to you the astounding um, number of uh, sequels and um, related properties, some of which I believe are spinoffs. Okay. Puppet, okay, so there's Puppet Master, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, here they are in chronological, uh, on Wikipedia, God bless, oh, okay. arranged first, like Wikipedia, has arranged oh, them God. in chronological order, okay? So here we go. Retro Puppet Master, Puppet Master 3, colon, to Lone's Revenge, Puppet Master, colon, Axis of Evil, okay. Puppet Master X, colon, a- Axis Rising, Puppet Master Colon Axis Termination, Blade Cross, Blade Colon The Iron Cross, Puppet Master, the movie we're doing today. Wait, Curse so this of- isn't like there's like five prequels. Well, uh, it's arranged in the chronology of the story. So Puppet Master is the first movie. However, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven prequels, yeah, and we will discuss why that. Is okay good. when we get into it because there is a, a big time jump in the movie. So I think that I'm presuming these these movies are are filling in the gaps before what we see in Puppet Master, and then after after Puppet Master, Curse of the Puppet Master, Puppet Master Two, Puppet Master Four, Puppet Master Five, colon, the final chapter, Puppet Master colon the Legacy, Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys, and of course I believe the most recent one, Puppet Master colon the Littlest Reich. Oh, Allison, okay. that is a tremendous is that number That's of films. That's so many. I, do you, can you think, I guess Star Wars would be the thing that comes to mind as like there being as many movies. I mean, I don't think it, I mean. And I've I never think Star seen Wars Star is, Wars. I've yeah, never I think seen Star it. Wars is struggling to get the numbers that. That um, Puppet Master is hitting. That Puppet Master has, which is absolutely phenomenal. What <gasps> films franchise, I'm going to Google this. Yeah, I want to know what the has most the sequels. most. Yes. Let's see. Um, I guess Friday, oh, Friday the 13th has 12, and Star Trek has 12 films. But, but and then this is James Bond, but that's not, I guess, James, James Bond, Bond to me franchise, doesn't but really, they're like sequels. Yeah. Yeah. They, this person has misunderstood the assignment, is what I'm thinking. Yes. Anywho, regardless. Oh, here we go. Hop along Cassidy. So this is like in the 30s and 40s, has 66 films. Well, and it was I mean, the 30s. Like, what were they? Like, 14 minutes long? Like- <laughs> also, I mean, that person probably, whoever played Hoplite Cassidy, they probably lived in a closet in the Paramount Pictures building and, like, 
every day had to get up and shoot an entire movie in 24 hours. Like, right. In order oh, to get that done. Our producer Sabrina said the Fast and the Furious. I don't think Fast and the Furious franchise is coming close to what Puppet Master is doing. I don't think so. I mean, because that has nine and this is over that. But I, I will say this, I mean, it is, it, I would say it's comparable to Fast and Furious in as much as that the person who made this really was going for it. This person was swinging for the the hills and and what's crazy about it is i believe this was a an original concept and you just don't okay. see original concepts anymore i mean you do no. see it in film but it, but uh it's Everything very strange to see something so wild mm. um for just a without having the original ip we're so addicted to ip now i know to have something be organic like this is really Really something. Uh, well, let us begin. Mm. Allison, how we always have to take a baseline scary. Allison, sure. how scary do you find the uh, concept of, I'm just going to say it, puppets? <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. Extremely scary. I think anything, like, I think like d- dolls in general, but like not even, because like a puppet, like, if you see a puppet that's being manipulated by somebody, it's moving around. And then like mm-hmm. the act of that person putting down the strings or whatever, and like then it's just limp. Like you're just like oh when does it come back to life like it it has like yes. a, a a like a wake and a sleep kind of or it has a death and a it has a, a death a, it, and a rebirth puppets are dead and dreaming until we give them animation and and bring them to our world is, is that awful. in the movie or are you saying that right now <laughs> oh I'm just I'm just spitballing but um, <laughs> you're like I'm just saying truths <laughs> the themes are in the movie I'll say that. <laughs> Um, and then Allison, would you like to guess the twist? It's hard to know the twist when the setup is so bonkers. It's sort of like, well, I don't even, I don't even know if you have a concept of where the movie's going, but. Guess the twist. The the trailer doesn't give you that. It just gives you a taste of like the puppets, um, and people looking scared and like violence. Um, great. I mean. I'm going to guess maybe there's a curse on the puppets. Great. Love it. I love a curse. That, that Love makes, a curse. That makes sense. I would argue maybe it makes more sense than what we... What oh, I was going to say, yeah. There's no way the logic holds up, but yeah. No. Well, let us begin by ruining Puppet Master. We open on beautiful Bodega Bay Inn in California in 1939. Um, oh, no. Bodega Bay, you remember, is also the place where the birds takes place. And I was like, man, these people can't catch a break. Oof. These and that was birds was after that, so it's like they'd probably barely recovered from the incident of uh, this film. Um, <laughs> so we we see this beautiful, it's like a seaside, uh, gigantic hotel. Like everyone's like beautifully dressed, like walking into the lobby. Like people are obviously coming from the cities to like get away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, much like we saw in Child's Play um, and any other movie where the Creature is very small. We get a POV that's very close to the ground of a little creature running. Nope. And the, what I find so perturbing about this movie is you hear the the, the puppets are brought to life with um, vocalization. They don't speak human words, but they are like, uh, uh. like if they're running, you could hear them running and they're, they're like like panting. Breathing. Or yeah. like if they're laughing, they're like, ah. they're all no. so upsetting. No. And there's an incident. There's an incident. There is an incident later where it is <laughs> a puppet is making both like, like evil noises and what sound like sexual giggling, and it's so vile. But we'll get into that. So we see 
that there is a puppet. So we already know there's a puppet outside running around. And then there's a puppet mm-hmm. looking out the window. And the puppet is a sort of a racist depiction of an Asian man. I think you can call to mind what I'm Great. talking about with the long mustache. Yep. Got it. And I'm like, all right, these puppets are canceled. I'm going to just go ahead yeah. and cancel these puppets right cancel now. Cancel the fuck out of these puppets. So we 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 enter this room where the puppet is actively looking out the window and we see it is filled with beautifully painted puppets. And of course, it's playing a spooky old-timey song on a scratchy record player. And we see the puppet master himself, Andre Toulon, who I believe is supposed to be French, and he is painting a new puppet. And this mm-hmm. puppet, like parts of his head could spin around, so he's smiling or he's frowning. I don't and like then it. He, it's awful. And then he touches it and he says, Life. And the puppet comes to life, Allison. As soon as he's done no. painting it, the paint's not even dry on this little puppet's head, and he's alive. And the puppets seem to revere Andre Tolone as a god or their father or something. He's their maker. I mean, I guess yes. in, the, in the logic of general, you know, organized religion, that they should. Absolutely. And he's very nice to them. He's very nice to the puppets. Oh, okay. And he talks to them like they are babies or puppies or something. He's oh. like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. However, the puppet at the window is sort of frantically looking over at Andre. And Andre says, I know they're coming. I know. Just then, Allison, we see two Nazi assassins walking into the Bodega Bay Inn in black trench coats. They are speaking German. They're not specifically title called Nazis, but it's but, 1939, and they're yeah. there with guns from Germany to capture Andre Tolone. Well, like, also, once you said 1939, I was yeah. like, this feels like it's going to have, like, Nazi undertones. Yes. So, the, we see— Wouldn't oh, have expected pup- that from the trailer. Yes, exactly. Oh, as soon as you see it, like, okay, I guess. I, I, <laughs> and I do feel like it is sort of vague. Like, are they just there to assassinate Andre? Sure. Are they there to capture him and mm-hmm. torture him to get his puppet animating secrets? It's a little unclear. But Andre is sort okay. of resigned to his fate. Also, I should add that he can communicate telepathically with the puppets. So the puppets don't speak aloud, but he responds as if they're speaking to him. And he tells them, because the puppets are very distressed, because they see the Nazis are coming. Yeah. And he tells also, them... Like, them coming to life is like, they're just immediately like, they understand things. Like, they're like, oh no, Nazis. Like, <laughs> Yes, they're, it's unclear what they understand, but they certainly... I feel it's like they... What I think the movie sets up is like, they understand what their owner understands or their, their okay. creator understands. So whoever's in charge of them, like because Andre Talon is like a nice person, they are nice puppets and they care about him and they care about each other. Unfortunately, later in the film, someone else is going to gain control of the puppets and this person's not qu- quite as nice. However, I will say many of the puppets that Andre make are very disturbing. And so we finally see the puppet that's running trying frantically to get inside. I don't know where he was, like, it, it, was he at the beach? Like, I don't even know where the puppet yeah. was. Running back inside. Allison, he's fucking terrifying. I'm sure you saw him in the trailer. He has, like, a skull face with, like, a thin white smile and, like, black yes. socket yes. eyes. Yes. A black terrifying. fedora. I mean, and the, the scariest thing of all. trench coat. And I was like, Andre, you still made that. Like, that right. might not be... It might be nice, but you, for whatever reason, chose... To make it look like that, mm-hmm. which that I don't understand whatsoever. Um, and so, but the puppet finally gets there to warn Andre and he says, no, don't worry, you're going to be fine. And he takes the puppets and he puts them in like a big puppet case of some sort. Puppet case? He uh, puts them in there like a, like a like trunk, a I suppose. 
Okay. Yeah, like you open it and it becomes like a puppet theater. Does that oh, make sense? God, I but hate they're it. Like, yeah, they're like fine. put in there to store. I, I don't know enough about puppets, but that's my understanding. No, and I'm glad you don't, honestly. And also, they have like a lot of fun with it. Like the spooky puppet that's running um, is like runs on the piano keys in the lobby. People would notice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a dog barks at it. People would see, everyone would be screaming. You know what I mean? And so finally, he gets to the door and he gets to Andre, and Andre says, It's too late. You know, he's accepting that he's about to be assassinated by Nazis. Mm-hmm. It couldn't mm-hmm. be me. No. But um, he takes them all and he hides them in the uh, case and puts them in a gigantic false part of the wall. Like, he pulls away the wall. And there's, like, a gigantic— I'm like, what kind of hotel? How long has he stayed here? Yes. It's like, yeah. did he build that fake wall in front of the real wall? Are you allowed to do that while staying at a hotel? Wouldn't no, I don't think you're allowed notice? to construct anything. Also, um, Andre's very old. So it's not like, it's sort of like, did he, or was this something that he particularly is like, I need the, you know, the room with a gigantic puppet secret cabinet or whatever. I can't tell you. But he hides them in there, Allison, and he gets the wall closed just as the Nazis arrive at his door. And as he sits there, the Nazis bust in with their guns. Allison, Andre puts a gun in his mouth and blows his brains out. What? And you see blood shoot out of the back of his head and spray the wall. What is like, this, this movie? This is insane. I don't like it. I, I care about Andre, and he's dead in a matter of seconds. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So in 1939, Andre hid all of his sentient puppets in the wall of this hotel. Cut to, and it says on the screen, Yale University, present day. And this is, I don't know Yale, but in my mind, this is like what Yale is. Yeah. So, um, the, we meet present a Present day being 1989. Yes, exactly. Okay. No, I mean, it's, the story continues to today. I mean, this is as relevant now as it was then. Arguably the more evil than ever. And, um, so we meet a professor who, Allison, don't worry, is also a psychic. Um, Alex oh, Whitaker, and he has having he's fallen asleep like at his desk at, at, at of course Yale where he is a professor in being a psychic, and he has like a dream premonition about a man named Neil Gallagher, and in the dream, Neil points a gun at a woman and he laughs and he says, "You can't save her, Alex," and Alex looks down in his chair in his office and he's bleeding through his shirt. Allison, he rips it open, screaming, and his torso is covered in leeches. What? Alex Alex wakes up again. It was just a dream. You know, he he just dozed off at his office, which again is at Yale University. And I was like, what is he teaching? How to get murdered by puppets? What a what? I mean, everyone's gonna get an A in that. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Allison, hold on to your head. Meanwhile, at a carnival somewhere in the south, as evidenced by everyone's accent, we meet oh, another God. psychic named Dana We're all Hadley. Over the place. Uh, th- we are halfway through the number of psychics we're about to meet. I want to write you outrageous. So Dana Hadley is giving a reading to a couple. Uh, the, uh, uh, the woman in the couple is Barbara Crampton. And Dana's clearly bullshitting you like, oh, your grandma's not long for this world. And Barbara Crampton's like, well, she's already dead. And she goes, oh, I met your, uh, your boyfriend's grandmother. And Barbara's like, oh, my God, that's so devastating. <laughs> so she's like obviously just like grifting these like right. people at this carnival for cash. All of a sudden, Dana gets like a horrible searing headache and she's screaming. 
and she sees a vision of her like dragging herself down a hallway and she shouts, he's gonna kill me. And the couple's like, um, so is that extra? Like, what? Are, you know what I mean? Cut to, Allison, we're in New York City. And oh we meet God. our final psychics, who are also a couple, Carissa Stamford and Frank Forrester. And as if you thought there weren't enough elements at play, Allison, these psychics are horny. Of and course they are. they're undergoing a study in a lab to make it scientific. And it reminds me of the beginning of Ghostbusters, where, like, Bill yes. Murray's, like, doing those, like, you know, like, can you can, can you see what someone else is seeing type of, like, yes. experiments. And they're having a, a subject try to psychically transmit her thoughts to them. And so Frank says, I want you to recreate in your mind your wildest sexual fantasy, paying attention to all the details. And then Carissa's not getting any of it. And Frank's like, I'm getting a woman running down the beach naked and a man on a Ugh. horse. Are you not getting any of this? And Carissa's like, no, nah, I'm not. Also, like, Allison, none of that is hot. They get a call, and it's Alex, uh, our professor, our Yale okay. professor. And he said, ah, uh, we thought you'd call. And Alex is like, oh, so Neil, you saw, Neil contacted you too. And Alex, Frank and Chris are like, yeah, we also had visions. And so Alex says, what does it mean? And Frank says, and this is just put out there, and this is, we have to accept this head as is. It means Neil Gallagher located the old puppet master's hiding place, and he's calling for some kind of meeting. Okay. What? I don't. What could it could have called from a phone? What but I guess Does that's that how psychics mean? communicate. And uh, I guess. Alex says, yeah. And Alex says we also got a call from the White Witch, which is what they all call Dana. And Dana's the most fun character because she's sort of this like boozy Southern like. Yeah. Oh, like uh, I'll tell you why we're here. Like, you know, it's like these whores. <laughs> like she has like a cigarette like um, holder and stuff. Like and she's yeah. fabulous. Yeah, she seems and so, great. Alex says, well, we're going to need all our collective powers because uh, Dana says that she senses it's not going to be just a regular old reunion. The gang gets together at the Bodega Inn Hotel, which has been shut down for reservations and has been shut down for a long time. Yeah. And they're greeted by Megan Gallagher, who is Neil Gallagher's wife. And Dana's like, dear God, somebody married Neil? Which I thought was fun. That's fun. And they're like, oh, so where is Neil? Like, he psychically called us on the telephone and told us to come here. And we all heard it, Ed Gabe. And Megan says, don't you know? Cut to all of them standing over Neil's coffin. And okay. Megan tells them that Neil shot himself in the head. And he left a note saying he didn't want to be buried um, before all of his friends got to Bodega Bay and all got to, like, say goodbye. And Megan's So these like, are all just psychic friends. Yes. Literally the, a psychic friends network. It quite, yes. <laughs> I mean, they, they, quite literally. Um, they basically had gotten together to work on their psychic powers. They were part of, like, a experiment or a group. So they haven't seen each other in a while, but they know each other and know that each of them have psychic abilities. And Neil was the one that they kind of lost touch with because, as we find out, Neil's a fucking asshole. Um, and so they, they didn't know he was married or anything. And Megan's like, before you ask, I'm going to stop you. I have no idea why he killed himself. Like, I have, I don't know. Um, we're about to find out, as it turns out. Um, so, um, uh, Megan and the innkeeper named Teresa, who, uh, imagine, like, a Maria Bamford character. <laughs> like, she has, like, a very funny high, <laughs> like, a fun high voice. And then, like, like, you know, sort of, like, always just being, like, at one point she yells, don't touch the body when they're in, next to his coffin. And so um, Megan and Teresa take Alex up to his room, and they're all going to stay there overnight. 
And then the the funeral will be the next day. And there's no one else coming to the funeral, I guess. Like, you'll sucks. So, just, um, yeah, just these psychics. But Dana, Frank, and Carissa stay behind with the coffin. And Dana's like, well, I'm going to do it. And she takes out a huge, like, hat pin and she stabs Neil's body just to make sure that he's dead. And she okay. says, dead as a doornail. So we know that Neil's actually physically dead. And Frank asks, why did we not know that Neil died? Because we're psychically linked. So mm-hmm. by all rights, we should have, yeah. when he died, we all should have gotten that. Like he was able to call us in our dreams, like to come here. And they're yeah. like, that is weird. That is strange based on the logic of this film. Yeah, no, that logic works for me. Yeah, that stands. So in the elevator, you know, uh, oh, Alex tells Megan, you know, I met Neil during a study at Yale. I'm a professor of anthropology. You know, we all have kind of lost touch with him, you know. Later, we see Teresa um, putting Dana in her room. And Dana immediately starts burning, like, herbs and sage and smudging her and smudging Teresa. And she tells her, do not go, tells Teresa, do not go near the fireplace. And Teresa's like, get the hell away from me. Like, runs out. Mm-hmm. It's like, these all these screwballs stand in my hotel, you know? And, but when she's outside, Teresa, like, peers into the keyhole and sees Dana, like, opening up her luggage. And Dana has a taxidermied dog named oh, Leroy. Leroy? That she, that she brought into a bag, that she brought in a bag, and she's opening a can of food, and she notices Teresa, and Teresa kind of scampers away. Like dog food? Like a can of food yes. for the dog? Yeah. And, however, again, it is a taxidermy, a very cute little dead dog. In his room, Alex gets another omen, and we see Neil, and what we now know is Megan, dancing around a ballroom in the hotel, and Neil has sort of a blank white mask that kind of vaguely re- uh, um, looks like the um, fedora-wearing puppet, which I looked up his name, and his name is Blade. So that's what we're going to call him. Sure. And the reason we're going to call him that, Allison, is because um, the fedora-wearing puppet, Blade, has, instead of hands, a hook and a knife. Great. Which again calls the question, Andre, what were you doing Why up there? Why did you there? make that? Why'd you do that? Why not give him little hands and then he could choose to hold a blade or a hook? Right. You, it's like if, you, if you're a hammer, everything is a nail. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have hands. So everything he thinks, I'm supposed to hook it or stab it. And that's yeah. on you, Andre. That's Even if you were a nice guy. Creator. Yeah. Um, and in this dream, you know, he hears once again Neil say, you can't save her, Alex. And when, when uh, he comes to and he's like crumpled up a photo of the uh, hotel in his hand, the innkeeper, Teresa, takes Frank and Carissa to their room, and Carissa starts screaming in the elevator, and he's having this terrible, she has this terrible image of Gallagher raping a woman in the elevator. But the woman is not his wife. Allison, I'm going to tell you right now, they never bring this up again, and I don't know who it was supposed to be. What? I don't what know. What is this movie? I don't know. <laughs> and so I guess um, the word for what Carissa is, there's like a particular word. She can, mm-hmm. t- oh, she's a psychometrist psychometrist. So if, if sure. she touches an object, in this case, like the elevator door, she can see the history of what happened with the object or near the object, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. It explains why she's so horny because they get into the room and she lays down the bed and she's just writhing around because she's experiencing like everyone who had sex there. And she goes, oh my God, like two famous people had sex. And Frank's like, who? And she said it was Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. They're like, oh my God, fabulous. So at least they're having fun with their like horny powers or whatever. And also like if you're gonna like, if you're gonna have these weird powers, like at least they're like fun and sexy. Exactly. So, and Frank's like, that's awesome, but please don't get distracted because we got to figure out what's going on, what happened with Neil, like why are we here? 
so um, before they all go to sleep, uh, Teresa cooks them all dinner. So they're all having dinner. Again, there's no one else in this gigantic building, and mm-hmm. Megan joins them. Um, a creature, while they're having dinner, a creature pops out of Frank's coffin. I thought it was Frank getting up out of the coffin. Unfortunately, it is a um, weird puppet. Its name is Pinhead, and it has the body the size of like a one-year-old child with a little tiny head the size of a clementine. Why? It's awful. I don't I know. I hate it. Yeah, why a head the size of a clementine? Cute, like a little tiny pointy head. No. And a big fat body. I'm not even going to lie. That's not even the worst one that's coming, but I, oh, I, it's very upsetting. And he has a little sweater. So he's, he's out and about. He, we know that this puppet's on the move in yeah. the hotel. So everyone sits down from dinner, and Megan says, you know, actually, my parents own the hotel. They're very wealthy, and they died a couple of years ago. And Neil, you know, he, I met him when he was taking the hotel, and we were dating. And when my parents died, they, he really helped me get through it. And he was like, we should totally redo the hotel, and, like, I'll help you. So that's why it's been closed down for a couple of years. Um, you know, now that you think of it, like, Neil does sort of, he sort of secluded himself into a wing, and he stopped working on the hotel, and he had a lot of, like, old books and stuff. I didn't really ask him about it. And all of the psychic friends were like, well, that's not good, because they already know the puppet master. Right. They knew that Neil was looking for the puppet master, so they're yes. like, okay, well, it was here then, and he must have found something here, you know? And Dana says, well, you know, that doesn't really sound like the Neil we know. Like, the Neil we know sucks. And Megan's like, oh, um, well, you know, that's how what he was like to me. And Dana says, you know what it sounds like to me is that Neil was just using her, you for your money and then using you to get in this hotel. And Megan storms out. And she's, Dana's 100% right, but you can't just say that yeah. to a grieving widow, you know? No, you really can't. Not yet. And all the other psychics are like, Dana, shut the fuck up. You know, it's not Megan's fault, you know, whatever. And Frank's like... Listen, hey, sorry, after a little sauce, Dana becomes a cynic. And Dana says, I'm not a cynic. I like to think of myself as a nasty bitch, which I, <laughs> what a line. What a line. But anywho, she tells Me- uh, Megan, as Megan goes to storm out, she tells you, your husband, I'll cut to the chase, your husband, Neil Gallagher, is a despicable, greedy bastard. He screwed us, and now he's trying to even the score. And I don't even know, like, they don't even go into details of, like, how did he screw them over? Like, right. what did he do to— I, Yeah, again, what is the they, backstory of this cabal of, of psychics? I, right, like, it's like, because it's like, oh, it's a study. Oh, it's part of an experiment. Oh, like, right. he screwed us over. It's just like, what like, was what there money? Is, like, what are you talking about? You what know? is happening? And you know what? It's not for us to know. We simply have to accept. Yes. Here we go. Outside, Alex reveals to Megan, who doesn't know anything about this. And that's the thing. If you're—it's one thing we always mm-hmm. talk about, like— if you there's if you can't go in the basement of your own home, if you can't go in the garage, if you can't go in the shed, if you can't go into an entire wing of the hotel that you own because yeah. your husband is working on some sort of occult experiments regarding puppets, it's not a good relationship. That's a deal breaker, lady. That's a deal breaker, so, ladies. Alex tells Megan that Neil's the one that brought them together, and that Frank and Neil had discovered that the Egyptians had a spell that could bring what? inanimate objects to life. And Dana, using her psychic abilities, was able to identify the last true alchemist, Andre Toulon, the puppet master. And Carissa, I guess she got brought in because she could touch an object and find out all about it. So I guess she could touch the puppets and, like, find out how they were made. And she's like, what are you doing? Alex is like, why? I dream. So he's the one who has premonitions. Uh, unfortunately, he does not have specific premonitions because, like, all of his dreams are about, like, Neil and Megan. They're not about the puppets that are going to be fucking uh, attacking them in about 15 minutes here. Right. So I would say he's the most useless of the psychics. Like, everyone else, okay, that makes sense. Yes. Um, 
And unfortunately, while this is all going on, the innkeeper, Teresa, is tending to the fireplace, the one place Dana said not to go. And while she does, she hears a little pitter-patter of feet on the piano keys. Allison, at this point in the film, I gotta ask, what would you do? What would you do? Get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of there. Why? Like, I was like, there's just, like, so much going on. Even removing, like, the incoming puppet violence. Right. Everything else is still— It's hard to remove because there's a lot of it. Yeah. But, like, everything is such a, like, messy, drama-filled nightmare that I'm like, just go home. Just go home. Yeah, like, I guess, like, they are, tr- like, I, 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 the only way I can rationalize it is, like, okay, they're, like, we're, like, okay, Neil must have found this information, so we've already come this way, so now we want to find out, like, the stuff that he found out. But I will say Alex is supposed to be, I think, like, our protagonist, and he's the most inactive, passive, makes no decisions, like, even compared to, like, Dana or, like, Carissa and Frank, they're at least, like, a little bit more interested in what's going on. Mm. Alex just sits there and has dreams that are not helpful, don't help prevent anything from happening, and it's just sort of like, if you're Alex, fucking leave. Like, you, you're you just, you're walking, they are all walking into a trap, and I suppose they're doing it because they find it interesting, but, like, yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't seem worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd get, you know, I would always leave, but, like, <laughs> hightail it out of there. Like Right, you'd leave the earth for, yes, for poorly yes, for the rest yes, of time. Forever. To avoid right. a, a rough party. <laughs> what kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The, holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The, make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find, for the fun of it, kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Unfortunately, Teresa walks over to the piano. She shouldn't see anything. And when she turns her back to the um, fireplace, we see a little hand grab the fireplace poker. Teresa Ooh, turns okay. back around to tend to the fire. And the little hand just brings the poker down on her head. And we see blood spray against the logs in the fireplace. Meanwhile, in another room, Megan screams and faints. Because they have walked to the room and Neil's body has been propped up in the drawing room, still dead. So somebody has moved Neil's body to another room. He is still dead, not moving. And everyone sort of tends, Alex tends to Megan, and everyone else puts Neil's corpse back in the coffin, and they're finally like, what the fuck is going on? They're like, well, Teresa must have propped up Neil's body because she was the only one else here, the only other person here, and now she's missing. And Carissa, Dana, and Frank are, are concerned enough to be like, okay, that alchemist shit must be hidden in this hotel somewhere. Right. And tomorrow when we wake up, we're going to tear this place apart and we're going to find it. You know, like, we're not going to do what Neil did and, like, give up, like, on the last leg of the race, okay? We're going to find this shit and we know it's in the hotel. So let's have a great night's sleep. 
So uh, Carissa and Frank go to the room, and Chris is taking a bath. Also, you see at least two and maybe three pair of boobs in this movie, which is also like very shocking. And so Chris is, like, nude in the bath, and she's writhing around, and, and Frank's like, what are you experiencing? And she's like, oh, it's two women. They're on leave for the Navy, and they never leave the tub the whole weekend. Frank's like, ooh. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay. Like, they're having a good time or whatever. I'm sure. Which I'm glad. I'm glad they're, yeah. their last night on Earth is, is going to be fun for both Horny of them. and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, poor Megan is still mourning the death of her husband, who she didn't know any of this shit about at all. Yeah, this all Allison, seems very new to her. Megan is standing over Neil's coffin, you know, obviously devastated. On the windowsill, we see the shadow of a jester puppet no. appear on the curtain. Oh, Lord. Mm-mm. Things are going from bad to worse. Um, and in the room, Chris and Frank are sort of like fantasizing, like, what are we going to do? We even find the alchemist's box and, you know, whatever. And Carissa is in the bathtub and she's calling to Frank. And she says, do you find Megan pretty? he doesn't reply. So we have this moment where she has to, like, get out of the tub and, like, creep through the room. But then Frank jumps out with a pantyhose on his head, and it turns out it's just some sort of weird sexual game. And they start making out. That's fun. And here's what they suggest. Again, I can't explain it. They're like, we're going to—tonight's sexual experiment. They will be using their their magic slash psychic abilities to open up a a pathway to Neil Gallagher. So they're going to—which seems, like, dangerous and gross, like, especially if you already hate this guy. Yeah. But they're like, we're going to use our sex magic or what have you to find out what Neil found out. And it's like, I just don't—one, that's not a thing. But two, it's like—it's like, I'm going to use my sex magic to, like, reconnect with, like, Ted Bundy. It's like, why would you do that? Don't do it. Yeah. No, there's no need. Like, It seems too dangerous. Yes. Especially when there are alternatives. There are lots of other people. So, um, Alex finds Dana is in her room, and she's burning a candle, and she smears his hand with blood from a chicken's foot, and she tells him, Neil wants us dead, and this is for protection. And because Dana is very—she's a a drunk and a lush and a nasty bitch, but she's very thoughtful. So she has put a note in a candle uh, outside everyone's door for them to burn for protection, which I thought was very thoughtful. That is nice. And so Alex burns it. Like a gift. Like when you get to a wedding and there's like a bag for you and you're like, what's in here? And it's just like Cheetos and a a small bottle bottle of water. water. Yeah, like baked lays. Listen, yeah. I'm still eating it. I'm drinking oh, it. Oh, you know? I've eaten the contents of every single bag I've gotten at the check-in of a hotel for a wedding weekend. So Dana and Alex are both, like, everyone's sort of in their own rooms for the night. And Frank and Carissa start fucking so loud that no one could sleep. And so Dana can hear Carissa and Frank going at it, you know. And she's talking to her stuffed dog, Leroy. And she's like, oh, God, you know. And meanwhile, Alex is literally doing that sitcom thing where he has, like, a pillow wrapped around his head, and he's like, give it a rest. Like, knock it off already. And I'm like, guys, it's nice. You know, if you're in a long-term relationship, you want to keep the magic yeah. alive. Keep the magic mm-hmm. alive. And unfortunately, like, in many horror movies, if you have sex, it will distract you from living and staying alive. And while Carissa and Frank are having, like, a wild, like, she um, blindfolds Frank, and she ties it to the bed, and she's like, you know, like, being like, you're going to do exactly what I say. And Frank's like, okay. Mm. Again, I don't know how being psychic works. I guess that's how you, like, connect to the other side or whatever. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't notice that Blade, the puppet, is, like, dragging the chair over outside their door to, like, peek in as, like, watching them fuck. Unfortunately. Are the puppets also horny? The puppets are. 
unfortunately yeah. horny. And yeah. they're only going to get hornier <laughs> from here on out. Uh, I regret, regrettably have to inform you. So while he's watching, it was kind of a funny moment. Another puppet pushes him out of the way. And unfortunately, this puppet has a drill on top of his head, and his name is Tunneler. <laughs> Again, Andre, you crazy for this one? <laughs> what? In what? the room. Like, you know, Frank, they're going at it, whatever. And suddenly Carissa looks, and the door is the, is open a crack. And I'm like, how do the puppets open the door? Yeah, like, I got a lot short, of questions. The door was locked, whatever. It's not for us to question. And she hears something scampering around the bed. And she's like, mm. oh, my God. So she, like, leaps off. And she's wearing, like, a sort of, like, a diaphanous robe or whatever sure. while they're having sex. So, luckily, you know, she has some modesty um, <laughs> when there's puppets looking at them. <laughs> And Carissa sees something run into the bed, and Frank's like, are, is this part of it? Are you still here? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Allison, she peeks under the, under the bed skirt. Uh-huh. And the drill, the puppet tunneler, just rams his oh. drill into her face and kills Carissa. What? And, and, like, what a and terrible she's, way like, to go. Writhing and screaming under the bed. Frank's like, ah, hello? Hello, Carissa? Because he can't move because he's tied up. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, the worst part of the movie that happens where Frank is— Oh, this shit is so gross. This might be one of the grossest things I've seen in a film in a long time. Like, wow. it's really gnarly. I can't believe okay. Puppet Master is the movie that's getting you to say that sentence. And I'll be honest, I'm, it's not scary, but it is fucking gross. gross. Here it is, Allison. So Frank's okay. tied up. You know, he's shirtless. You know, they're like, he's modestly has the um, sheet Sheets. draped over the, his yeah. lower half. Suddenly, a sexy brunette puppet pops up. And starts, like, kissing uh, Frank's chest and, like, licking his <laughs> oh, no. nipple. And no. what is implied that Frank, like, thinks it's Carissa, even though, like, her head is the size of, like, a Barbie head. So also, like, like, obviously it's a puppet, dude. And also, like, it's not flat. She's not fleshy. She's still made of, like, wood or plastic or, like, whatever the fuck a puppet yeah, is. Yeah, like, her hair is, like, yeah, like, plastic If Barbie a wooden hair. spoon touches me, I know a human isn't touching me. You know right. what I mean? You're like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, Who's that? Unfortunately, and the puppets make you like, hoo, like sexy little goo goo gaga <laughs> oh, noises. No. It's so, and as if that wasn't bad enough, the suddenly the sexy puppet starts gagging and vomiting and puke. Her jaw expands and pukes a full size leech onto Frank's chest. What? So it's the puppet is alternating between like sexy goo goo gaga and then like vomiting and gagging and retching Burfing sounds. leeches. Come on. And Frank, because I guess he's insane or something, he's kind of <laughs> into it. He thinks like, oh, is this like some sort of like kinky new toy you haven't told me about? Unfortunately, she starts, keeps vomiting these gigantic leeches so her mouth is like stretching out all <sighs> over his torso. Oh. And then he starts screaming because it hurts so much. Mm. It's so fucking violent. Finally, Frank's thrashing around. His blindfold comes off and he sees his body is covered, covered in, leeches, in leeches. leeches and the bu- puppet keeps vomiting more onto them and he screams and screams and Alex in the room next door is like, knock it off, good God, you two, give it a rest because he thinks, oh, it's just like sexual ecstasy. It's Why so fucking gross. can the puppets vomit leeches? Allison, I guess because Andre made them that way. Well, like, why that's would he my, do that? Like, that's the thing. It's like, is that something that, like, he, like, chose for them? Or is that something that, like, they... They just come to him? Evolved into? This must be why there's so many prequels, because they have yeah, to, like, I need so, so much, much explain, explain, ex- explaining or whatever. I don't know. and But okay. I will say, thank God, this technology did not fall into the Nazis' hands. That's all I can thank say God. about that. Yeah, no, that's right. 
Um, meanwhile, Dana is drunk and she meets Alex. Alex is sort of up and wandering around because he can't sleep because uh, Frank and uh, Chris are screaming so much. And she invites him in for a nightcap and he's like, huh, I think maybe you and I can make a little night music. And he's like, I'm good. I'm clearly developing a crush on Megan, the widow. Thank of you. Course. And so Dana goes to the room and she's chatting with her uh, taxi driver dog, Le- uh, Leroy. She, when she turns around, Neil's body is propped up in a chair in her room. However, Dana is completely unfazed. She's like, I'm not like the others. I know you're up to some horse shit. And she starts, like, smudging and, like, blowing smoke in his face and, like, closing his eyes with her hand. And, like, and she declares to Leroy, she says, we put the dead to rest. And unfortunately, while Neil might be dead, the homicidal puppets are not. And all of a sudden, the gigantic pinhead, not gigantic, but, like, the gigantic bodied small head puppet pinhead attacks her and... Uh, bites her ankle and she gets knocked over the bed and onto the ground and then she's just grappling with him. Allison, he's full on punching her in the face. This movie has more punching women or anyone in the face <laughs> in a horror movie that's because punching someone is not scary. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, awful. It's, yeah, but like when he violent, does that, like, he's not... just punching her. Like he's just wailing on her. Like <laughs> they're in a brawl at a bar. Like it's crazy. Luckily, she's able to throw him across the room because, again, he's really only the size of, like, a big Cabbage Patch doll. Uh-huh. But she, he has broken her ankle to the point she can't walk, so she's dragging herself into the hallway. And unfortunately, oh okay, this so is that's the dream we, moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that yeah. is coming true. And she, I think, thought, like, oh, it's Neil attacking me. But because in the dream, you don't see that it's a bunch of fucking crazy-ass puppets. Right. Unfortunately, he pursues her, and she's able to throw Pinhead over the stairwell, and he falls all the way to the lobby. They're like, they're like on the fourth floor. Yeah. And then she sees Blade, the puppet in the fedora. And, she's, and she says out loud, oh shit. <laughs> and she has to drag herself into the elevator. And he's got his hook. He's jamming the door and she's pushing it out. She's able to press the button. Unfortunately, she goes all the way to the lobby and the door opens and Pinhead is there. And she's just punching her ass until she throws him again. <laughs> Unfortunately, Blade... Um, was able to get on top of the elevator. There's like a, and open the panel up and he drops into the car. Allison, he straight up slashes Dana's throat. And as he does, we see the jester's head. He's the one who can spin around and have different right. facial expressions. The jester's head spins around until he's smiling. Mm. Which brings me to my question. Allison, who will survive the puppet master? Who will survive? Who is left? We've got Alex. We've got Megan. We have the puppets. I don't know if they're alive in a traditional sense. And we have Neil, who also is not alive in a traditional sense. But I'd like you to think, what what, what happens to him? Where do we think we're going with this? He's still in play. um, He's still in play. He keeps popping up. He keeps popping up around the, uh, the hotel. It feel like I, part of me is like, do all the humans die and the puppets survive and move on to okay? The I like that. Other movies there are. Um, I I think that Megan will die. You know, it's like it's hard because like there's a world where I'm like, oh, all these psychics die and Megan survives, but then I'm like, no, she probably dies, but like maybe not. I don't know. I'm gonna In say the all the psychics. End okay. up dead, and Megan is the lone survivor. Final Great. girl. And what do we think will happen with the puppets? I mean, clearly they, I think that they live on. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, what is How being do you, alive Can you even puppet? kill, the, like, do you have to like break them apart to like 
Like, what? The what movie is there? Never addresses it. Okay. And I think that wouldn't work. I think they're alive in the way that, like, I don't know, Brahms is alive. I suppose, sure. like, Brahms could be injured and put back together, and he's still there. Yeah. The puppets. Okay. I guess if you if you broke all their legs off, they couldn't move. So they'd be it'd be much right. Harder. Like if you ripped all their limbs off. Yes. Or if you like decapitated them, like would they? continue to wreak havoc on humanity or would they just stop existing? I think they would continue to wreak havoc. I think it's like Chucky. You know, like when he got yeah. decapitated and his body kept going, he's like screaming for his body to kill them all or whatever. Yeah. I think they would they would have, have that kind of policy. Yeah, that sounds right. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. Kings Island is now open weekends. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Later that night, of course, neither of them knowing that everyone else is fucking dead in the hotel in their hotel rooms, Megan knocks on Alex's door and wakes him up. He lets her in because he's... He's developing, obviously, feelings for him. And she says, I'd like you to come with me. I have something to show you. And Megan tells tells Alex, you know, I never connected the story because I had always heard about the puppet master dying in the hotel in 1939. That's kind of like this story, like, Mm -hmm. why would he do it? And, and, you know, like that kind of thing. And I never connected to Neil's death. But he used to spend so much time in this temporary closed wing of the hotel. And I didn't ask him about it, which in retrospect, I probably should have. Mm -hmm. And she takes them and she opens the door and they emerge into a white ballroom, which is what Alex had seen in his premonitions. And Neil, with the white mask on, steps from behind a pillar. And then he and Megan also starts dan- start dancing like in the dream Alex had seen. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. Alex is unfazed, so we know this is also a dream. Like, I'm like, if you wanted us to think that yeah. this was real, have him like freak out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so in the in the dream, they stop and they stare at him like they had in the previous dream, and Neil says, as he did before, you can't save her, Alex, and he points a gun at Megan's head. Oh. Alex wakes up in a drenched in sweat. He's panicking. He lifts his covers, and he finds Frank, Carissa, and Dana's animate, grinning, severed heads. And Frank basically is like, what's up? Like, he's just like, how's it going? No. And then, and then Alex wakes up again, and that was also a dream. So we're okay. doing dreams on double dreams. We're double dreaming. It's too much. Just then, Allison, Megan knocks on his door for real and, and okay. says, uh, can I show you something? And Alex says, oh, yeah, let me just get my shoes. You just had a dream of what's about to happen. And you right. say, let me put my shoes on. It's supposed to be like, Megan, something is horribly wrong. Yes. Neil's spirit or whatever is, is haunting us or trying to kill us all. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't get it. I guess it was I before Uber and Lyft and none of them right. drove. So, like, I get it. But, like, 
hit the hit the road. Walk. Yeah, get out Instead, of there. Instead, and that's why I was saying he's the least actor like protagonist of any horror movie we've seen in recent memory. Like, yes. he makes no decisions. None. He is getting premonitions and he does not listen to them. So then it's like narratively, why bother to give him any? You know what I mean? Right. Have him be like the psychic that like you only see like a glimpse and then it's like, oh, now I put it together and I should have known, but I couldn't know. Like, right. Instead, you were literally we, seeing. It's so it's crazy. It's very, um, like, Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. <laughs> yes, exactly. They gave him all the clues, and he said, no, I'll follow you. So Megan walks him up to the abandoned wing, saying the exact same thing, line for line, that she said in the dream yeah. about, like, the old puppet, master's death. and But instead of entering a white ballroom, they enter Neil's old office. And she has found Andre Chalone's old diary, which we know Neil was reading when he died. Okay. And uh, Andre Chalone says... Today I gave them life using the ancient Egyptian rites of afterlife. I, I love them like all my other children, like my other puppets. They mirror the soul of their master, and with me they are harmless. But I fear what they are capable of if placed in the wrong hands. Which then begs the question. He gave these puppets life, not the other puppets. Why did he do right. that? Yes. And also... Especially, why would he do that if you have fear what they are capable of a place in the wrong hands? So why do right. you make the creepiest puppets? And that makes, now that I'm reading this again, maybe he didn't make those puppets, but then like, how did he get them? No, because we saw him making the gesture puppet. So he chose the puppets to animate and they're all like violent or scary. Why did he do that? Especially if he knew enough to look forward to be like, if somebody else is able to control them, they're going to have a hard time on their hands. Mm-hmm. What was the plan, Andre? Yeah, I don't really understand his motives. I guess maybe it's sort of like in um, uh, Pet Cemetery, where it's like, if you know that you could do something, sometimes mm. you can't stop yourself from doing it. But mm. why not make the nice puppets alive? And they could be your friends, as opposed to like the puppet with the, the, the knife and the hook. Yeah. Like they're mostly weapons. Um, and we also see in the in the beginning when um, Andre packed up like all the puppets, we also see literally like a stereotypical like what you'd see like in an episode of the Brady Bunch, like an Egyptian scroll. It's sort of like clearly they like they like made it the day of on set, you know, yeah. and wrapped it up. So obviously Neil has found the scroll and he has been able to gain control of the puppets. Mm-hmm. Again, I think maybe, like, Andre, he doesn't have a clear plan of what he's going to use them for other than, like, to wreak havoc. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, Alex is gripped by a vision, and he sees Neil with a gun and holding Dana's stuffed dog, Leroy. And Neil puts the gun in his mouth, and then he points it at Alex, and he says, bye, Alex. And I just, at this point, I also want to, because I haven't really described it, the music is obviously, like, rights-free music. Sure, and sure. it's super whimsical and like meandering <laughs> little keyboard, like like it's not scary, it's not dramatic. It's just like why? it's like why? It's like if you're making a short film and you're like, oh, we gotta have like ambient music kick in. Yeah. And that's what it was. And that does make it feel like um more of a kids' movie almost. Like yeah. just kind of like noodly doodly woodly. Like it's so weird. Like, eh, like yeah, yeah, it's so strange also to have like like whimsical childlike music and then also like really horny people and puppets. It sucks. It sucks so bad. <laughs> it's finally Alex fucking gets the message and he grabs Megan. He's like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Yes. But he his vision is leading him to the dining room and he runs inside at the dining room and we see Dana, Carissa, and Frank's corpses. 
as well as the drill-headed puppet, pin, uh, uh, sorry, tunneler, seated at the dining room table. Oh, They've good. all been put there. And Megan says, oh, my God, we have to get out of here. Finally, yes. thank you, Megan. Megan, voice Unfortunately, of Unfortunately, when they turn to leave, Neil stops him and says, you're not leaving on my account. It is Neil, and he is actually up and about. Megan says, very astutely, you're dead. And Neil says, yes, I am. I put a gun in my mouth, and I blew away my vast knowledge, and here I am dead. And Neil says, I killed myself so that I could bring myself back to life. And Megan asks a very important question. Why would you do that? (laughs) And Neil tells Megan, I want to live forever. All life eventually ends in death, but for me, there is no end now. You mean no natural end? And then Alex also follows up with, like, well, why did you kill everybody? Like, okay, if right. you want to kill yourself and then reanimate right. yourself as, like, essentially, like, a puppet, that's your business, but why did you lure us all here to kill them? Yeah. And Neil says, because we were joined by our thoughts, and what if you would have found out eventually? It's like, I guess. Found like, out what? Like, that's he- the stakes? Is that eventually they would have— Also, they wouldn't have found this out because, like, they weren't— They hadn't seen you for years— you look yeah. the same. How would they have known that you would kill yourself and turn yourself into an animate puppet? And also, why would you do that? If, like, yeah. I, it, it just because basically what they're suggesting is he's just he's sort of a vampire. So okay. he he's going to live okay. forever. However, he can be killed. So much like a vampire, if left unbothered, a vampire could live for eternity. Right. But you could also kill a vampire by staking them. Death. Yeah. Right. So that's when Alex says, well, you, we couldn't die by a natural death. So it's sort of like, you can't die. You're not going to die if you, like, go about your business. But if you, right. if I shoot you in the head again or whatever, if I, if you're in a car accident, you, your body could die. Yeah. I, I guess we just have to accept that. I don't know. And, you know, and, but then Neil finally says, and this is, this is Neil's hubris. And this is what will lead to Neil's downfall. Neil says, but the thing is, I'm sick of, puppet subjects. I'm ready to move on to humans. And he takes Tunnler and he throws Tunnler to the ground and the other puppets look the gesture. His head spins around and he's frowning. All the puppets <laughs> see that Neil is now, he's not a nice master like Andre. He's abusing right. them. Right. Now that they've served his purpose, he's free to kick them around just like, you know, they're nothing. Yeah. He also then tells, which seems like you don't even, at this point, it's just being cruel on top of cruel. He's like, oh, by the way, also, I killed Megan's parents so I can experiment on them and also so I can gain control of the hotel. And also, I tried to bring them back after I found the box, but it hadn't mastered it yet, so they're just dead. And Megan goes to slap him. Neil fucking punches her. What a punch. And then just starts kicking Alex's ass. Like, Neil's wailing on um, Alex. And Megan is only able to break it up when she breaks a vase over his head. And so now she and Alex, both are like wounded, are able to get up and they're making a run for it. But all the doors are locked on the inside, and they are confronted by Teresa, who Neil has now reanimated into um, a living puppet. And Neil catches up to them, and Neil tells Alex, it's time to die so that you can live forever. And it's like, so you're going to kill them and then bring them back to prove that you can. But when you bring them back, they're still going to want to kick your ass. It's not like when they're like, oh, now I see, Neil, I see your point. You know what I mean? They're back as people or puppets? They would be back as he's back, which is okay. he ki- would kill them to bring them back in their own human bodies so they could live forever, okay. which okay. in his mind is a good thing, but also— I, Who wants to I live forever? I don't know. 
it's also like reanimator, I think, where it's like, yes. I'm doing it not because I really care about these people living again. It's like, I am like a mad scientist and yes. I get to do this and I, everyone's my puppet. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. He, I mean, I Neil's don't, but real, I get it for the logic of the movie. Yeah. Neil's a real jerk is what I'm saying. Yeah. So they no, grapple. Shit. And through their fight, Neil gets thrown into the elevator and the door gets wedged closed. So he's sort of trapped in this old timey elevator where you can mm-hmm. sort of like see the, you know, the, yes. the metal door frame. Um, and he's trapped in there with the um, pinhead puppet and he kicks the puppet away from him and the puppet tries to square up and fight him. So Neil just yanks his head off, but he's still alive. And Neil's berating the puppet. He's like, I'm the master. You're the puppet. And which means it's on. Like all the puppets hear that. They're like, oh, okay, we're pissed. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. So the drill puppet uh, drills into his leg and when Neil tries to jump up and sort of pull himself out of the panel at the top of the elevator, Blade just starts cutting off his fingers with his blade hand. And so Neil falls back into the elevator and all the puppets start descending on him and just kicking his ass. Blade holds his mouth open with the hook. And finally, the puppet, the sexy puppet uh, with the yeah. leeches, who mm-hmm. is known as, and you're not going to be surprised by this, Leech Woman, oh. starts vomiting leeches into his mouth. Oh, my while God. Tunneler is like drilling into his body and Neil screams and screams. And at this point, Alex feels bad. So Alex is trying to open the door and he's like, stop, stop. Because he's like, I don't like Neil, but I don't want to watch this happen, you know? No. And Megan's also, Megan just has her head in her hands. So she's screaming, stop, you know? And finally, the pinhead puppet just snaps Neil's neck and he dies. And Alex goes to Megan and they sort of huddle together in the lobby and cry in the morning. Another beautiful Bodega Bay day. How did these people Alex, sleep? I don't know. Alex says goodbye to Megan. And they both seem like, like wow, what a night. What a huh? weekend. What a time. So if you're ever, Eddie's little sister, like, if you're out east, you know, give me a call. And she says, I will. And as she's gone, um, Megan picks up Dana's stuffed dog, Leroy, and bring up the stairs with her. And she puts him down and he comes to life. And I'm not sure exactly what that means. But what I'm guessing is, Megan now has the ability that um, Neil had. Like, she mm-hmm. read the same mm-hmm. things. So yeah. she could also bring things to life. And that's good. And she will be a good mistress, master, to the puppets because she's a good person. So she doesn't have to worry about them because she is now in control of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe the end. Wow. And that's the movie, Puppet Master. Allison, what is a fatal mistake some of these people might have made? In uh, Puppet Master. Fatal mistakes. Get out of there the second things start getting weird. Like, which I guess is immediately. Um, I also wouldn't have gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I absolutely wouldn't have gone. It, we have not done Stephen King's It yet, but there, I do feel like, I don't like that he went so much. I'll be honest, listeners okay. at home. We could argue about which one we should do. But the original, I feel like they set up a good, it's a good example of like how to explain why characters would return to a place yes. where it's just going to be chaos and yeah. batshit insanity. And it's like you have to really ground it in like their emotional relationship to one another. And if these people are all psychics, you're telling me not one, like you, Dana had a premonition of being dragging her body down a hallway and screaming he's going to kill me. And you still went there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, right. It's like they they knew that things were not going to be, like they had all these premonitions and thoughts and still were like, well, let's go see what happens. Yeah. Which like, is that's tough. wrong. Um, also, don't make puppets. <laughs> and then don't imbue them with humanity. 
It's almost like you can't p- pick out which fatal mistake to do because it's everything they did was a fatal mistake. Yes, everything was wrong. If you were staying at a creepy hotel with the body of your friend turned frenemy that you know was trying to reanimate puppets, don't yeah. then let yourself get tied up or tie up your partner and have yeah. wild sex. Like, how could you even want to have Just sex wait. after this? After no. everything they've seen? After all point, of that? Yeah. You Just saw until you got back home. Mat- so, yeah. Um, listen, but hey, we've never but, been there. I've never been a no. psychic. I've ne- we never, we, so we can't judge. We can't judge. Judgment-free zone. And then finally, Allison, where would you put Puppet Master on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I think it's not, it has a lot of like zaniness and like nonsensical craziness that makes it less scary. I'm going to give it a four because of Mm -hmm. all the leeches. And that puppets are are scary looking in general. Horrifying. Yeah, the leeches really took, like, I would have probably maybe said like a three, but four for. Four for leeches. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, because I do feel like some of the visuals, like the puppets, are really creepy. There is like, the leech shit is unbelievably Gross. viscerally horrifying. Mm-hmm. So I guess three just for the leech lady. And yeah. um, I still had a good time watching it. I yeah. thought it was an interesting, <laughs> bizarre concept, and so that that made it to me. I'd rather watch someone do a, make a big swing, and boy, this is just about the biggest swing we've seen in recent memory. And it's a um, big I like swing. The, and the design of all the little puppets is very creepy. Yeah. Um. So, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. Let us know if we should do any of the what would we do, like twelve <laughs> or thirteen uh, puppet master uh, sequels. That becomes and like its own podcast, like just dedicated fuck. to puppet master. <laughs> Somebody absolutely has this. That uh, exists. As a podcast. That for sure exists. Um, okay, which, and I, this is not a segment, I'm just, which puppet would you least want to find subtly in your hotel room, Allison, of the ones in the movie? Well, so, like, I would say, like, the the hook and the knife hands at, at right. like, at first pass, because you're like, whoa, that looks violent and scary. I don't, it's a weapon. Yes. But the answer really is leech woman, leech lady. You know, I think that I could take on Leech Lady. I'm going to go with the um, the tunnel, the the drill head. Yeah, that one the also. Dr- tunneler just seems like you wake up in the middle of the night and somebody's already sticking a drill into you. You know what I mean? Like one leech, yeah. two leech, I can escape. A I know, drill- but like seeing a leech in person, Ugh. like I, I, come out of a doll's mouth. It sucks so bad. And it, this is the only episode we've ever done where I really resent having to watch this, that part. I wish somebody could have described that scene to me and then I'll just pick up after it because it was awful. And the sounds, Allison. Oh, no, no, no. sexual no. and no. gagging, vomiting no. sounds. Ugh, so mm. awful. No. Well, on that note, guys, we hope you yeah. really enjoyed this episode. Um, yes. As always, please rate and review. And we will be reading some five-star reviews. If you write a spooky story, we will yes. read it on the podcast. Um, and if you have any questions, you could email us at ruined at the radiopoint.com. And we really appreciate all your questions and your comments. And, yes. um, and just in general, we just really we appreciate you. you. And we hope you have a happy holiday season. Yeah, yeah. We're still somewhere in December, so... We love you. Can't argue with it. (laughs) Can't argue with it. As a result, we love you. (laughs) Um, And until we talk to you next time, please. Please. For the love of God, you must keep keep it spooky. spooky. Bye. Bye. 
Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.